Welcome to Sex Care is Self-Care, a conversation on women's sexual health. Today I'm joined by members of our PBF Medical Board to discuss something very interesting. So Dr. Critchman, let's start with you. Can you introduce yourself and tell them what you do on a daily basis? Well, hi, Patty. Thanks so much for having us today to talk about so many important issues in women's sexual health. I'm a sexual medicine gynecologist. I am in clinical practice as well. I have uh, four offices that I rotate through. I see high risk um, women who are at risk for cancer or those who are dealing with cancer on a regular basis, plus those who have chronic medical conditions. In addition, I'm a professor at the University of California, Irvine, and I also uh, supervise the residents. But one of my uh, most honored positions is I am the chair of the medical board of the PBF. I get to work with wonderful women like yourself and the rest of the MAB to help uh, you know, bring women's sexual health to a new frontier and dispel some of the myths and mysteries and really empower women on a day-to-day basis to take control over their bodies, their sexual health and their general health in, in, in general. So it's really exciting to be here with you to uh, chat about some really important topics and thanks so much for having us. Cheryl. Hi, Patty. Um, I, I echo Michael in uh, saying what an honor it is to be here. I, I love my colleagues and I love the topics and the importance to women's sexual health. I am a clinical psychologist. Um, I have a division of behavioral medicine in an OBGYN department, uh, which allows the um, sort of the biopsychosocial model, which we'll talk about later, uh, of multidisciplinary approaches to women's health and women's sexual health. So I provide the psychological uh, help to women who have uh, GYN and other uh, medical issues. Um, I'm also a professor in the departments of reproductive biology, psychiatry, and urology, all important um, areas for women's health. Um, at Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine. And uh, I'm the newest, maybe not youngest member of your medical advisory board. Um, so I'm so pleased that you have included a psychologist. Thank you. Thank you. Christine. Well, hello everyone. Um, I am also gonna echo words that have been said. I'm very honored to be included in this esteemed board of colleagues. Um, I'm honored to provide education to women that hopefully can then be disseminated even further. I think that's the greatest power of, um, of this Women's Health uh, Foundation is the ability to disseminate the education. So I'm very grateful to have that honor. Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Christine Vaccaro. I'm um, fellowship trained and double board certified in female pelvic medicine and reproductive surgery, which is just a long fancy name to say urogynecology. So I deal with women's um, pelvic floor disorders on a daily basis, which includes um, their sexual health um, so that is what I do. I'm also I'm an associate professor um, of obstetrics and gynecology. Happy to be here. Sherelle. Hello and good morning. I'm Sherelle Iglesia and I am the director of female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery for MedStar Health in Washington, D.C. I'm also a professor of OBGYN and urology at Georgetown University School of Medicine and my passion is educating women about pelvic floor issues. In addition to being a surgeon, we 
um, are intimately involved in training the next generation OBGYN and urology residents. And I'm happy to say that this past Friday was the big match day and all of my mentees, we had 12 um, go into OBGYN, they all matched. Six were particularly, um, I was very close to it. And that's exciting. So in addition to talking to you as patients and as advocates for women's health, we like to train the next generation of um, OBGYNs. Thank you, Kathleen. Hello, um, well, I'm very excited to be here. Um, you all consultants are the grassroots for all this education. Um, you're the one who can take that um, client and help them through many issues with sexual health. Um, and so by providing, having this opportunity to provide this um, education is, is very um, near and dear to me. Um, I'm a um, doctor of physical therapy and um, board certified in pelvic health. Um, I've been doing pelvic health for 30 plus years. <laughs> and um, presently I'm the director of pelvic health education and program development in Cincinnati, Ohio. Wow, I'm gonna tell you, I am just so honored to have all of these doctors talk with us today. They are committed to giving all of you this information and resources that you need to help your business and to help your customers thrive. I'm proud of all of you. This is amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, there are a lot of questions from women who can't experience an orgasm, even using an enhancement or even through foreplay. What are some of the suggestions that can help them accomplish this? What's going on? Okay, so I think we're going to the meat of the matter here when we talk about the clitoris. And so there are, there's, there is such a thing as primary anorgasmia. And Cheryl can talk about that. That's a diagnosis where you've never had an orgasm. And then there's the secondary anorgasmia where you've had orgasm in the past, but you're no longer having them. So while Cheryl was talking about the, the biopsycho, more, more psychosocial, I'm going to focus more on the bio part <laughs> and on the anatomy and physiology of the sexual response, because I think that people will need to understand all of the intricate nerves, muscles, glands that are necessary. And I'm going to credit my colleague, Dr. Christine Vaccaro for this clitoris that she gave me last year at the national meeting. And I believe that you had some golden ones that were gifts too. I still think we need to give out these golden clitoris awards. But the issue with the clitoris <laughs> is that it's not just a little button. You know, it is actually a full organ that has three parts and look how nice and three-dimensional we are here with the clitoris glands, that, that's the little tip. That's what people think, you know, that is the clitoris, but no, there's more. There is a body that is very long and there are legs on either side of the vaginal opening. And ladies and gentlemen, do you know that with arousal and engorgement and the appropriate sexual stimulation, this little complex thing can increase 50 to 300%. 
And I kid you not, because we have MRI data, literally of women self-pleasuring, and they're also looking at um, erotic videos and stuff. MRI um, information, images showing this, this real engorgement that's happening. So what do we need to be able to have the functional clitoris and the stimulation that we need to get orgasm? Well, blood flow, blood flow, blood flow. We need to make sure that the tissues have enough blood flow so that when you stimulate the nerves and there is a specific nerve, a branch off the pudendal nerve, and we can even test this, where you touch the clitoris and you'll see a little wink at the anus. That is called the clitoral anal reflex. All of this is intimately involved with sending signals through um, the nerves to the spinal cord, the dorsal root ganglion, back up to the brain and the pleasure centers of the brain to give you that sense of well-being. And then the physiological things that can happen with orgasm, which are um, transudative lubrication and excitement that can lead to actual contractions of the muscles surrounding the vagina. And some women will, with orgasm, will actually get a, a, a squirt, a little transudative squirt through some of the glands that are around the urethra and in the vagina itself. Sometimes that can come out of the bladder and it's related to urine and there could be some bigger gushes that way. But the fact of the matter is you need to have all of this, the anatomy, the, the nerves and the muscles and the important nerve neurotransmitters. Some of these are like nitric oxide, vasoactive intestinal um, peptide, things that cause engorgement and blood flow in order to occur. You also need to have a clitoris that's not covered over or damaged. <laughs> so that's why I was talking about when you get some of these labiaplasties and some of the things that I, I fear young girls particularly, and even some postmenopausal women, they wanna unhood the clitoris, they wanna um, take off the, the, the skin that covers the body, that's really not good because a lot of nerves are coming in that direction. They, you want to, you want to uh, trim up the lips, but then those lips kind of converge at the bottom. That's called the frenulum. So there's a hood, and then there's underneath this this little um, glands. There's a frenulum. When you cut into that area and unroof things, not only can you affect the blood supply to this very important organ you can also damage the nerves or specific branches of the pudendal nerve. So all of this comes into play and it makes it a little bit harder when you become menopausal because things resorb, estrogen levels make it so that the skin on the outside as well as the lining of the vagina really thin out. And that's when Dr. Kingsburg, and I know Dr. Bakar is going to be talking about this next, it's really important that we keep that tissue kind of healthy with some local estrogen and there are other money, other formulations. And I know we've done several podcasts on this and, and Christine will talk about it again, but it's important to keep that healthy 
and sort of thickened because you want to maintain that blood flow and that ability to get the engorgement and hence the transudative lubrication that's necessary to have a pleasurable um, a sexual experience. Now, I mean, orgasm is not the be all end all, although it is very nice to have. There's different models of sexual response. There's this linear model, almost like point and shoot, you know, with excitement plateau, orgasm resolution. And then there's a circular model with just, you know, all of this arousal, desire, everything that comes into a sense of well being is also really important. I know, Cheryl. <laughs> wanted to focus on that circular model of sexual response, but my goal here was to talk about orgasm. So we're going to still talk about it. <laughs> I don't know. That was a long answer to your question, which was, what do you do when you um, can't get orgasm? What you do is you go and talk to your doctor and we take a look at things down there and we talk about where this clitoris is located because I can tell you that people may not exactly know, and they may not know how to masturbate. They may not know exactly where to stimulate in order to be able, and, it, and it, it's surprising me. I have patients that have been married, you know, 30, 40, 50 years and to the same partner. And, you know, yes, now the partner with the 50, 60, 70 rule has erectile dysfunction. So, you know, she's never had, but there's nothing wrong with the fingers. There's nothing wrong with this tongue. There's nothing wrong with getting an enhancement toy um, to be able to place it on the spot. Because, you know, with age, yes, blood flow goes, even your innervation kind of decreases with age. So it's going to take a little bit more stimulation. As Cheryl said, you're going to be a little bit more creative and, um, you know, in order to be able to achieve it. But it is totally achievable. And it's definitely bliss when it happens um, for a lot of people. Now you're going to ask me about the G-spot. I know you're going to ask me about the G-spot. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about the G-spot? You're going to ask me about the G-spot. Because <laughs> everybody asks about the G-spot because it's considered the holy grail of the sexual response. Well, talk about it. Okay. <laughs> As I'm going to bring in my colleague, Dr. Vaccaro, uh, to come in on this too. There, you know, most people get orgasm with clitoral stimulation. However, there are people who are very, like, like they're very into vaginal penetrative sex and a spot along the anterior wall, a few finger breaths up. It's like, you know, like this kind of motion along the anterior wall, which honestly, you know, if that's called a vaginal orgasm, whatever, I believe, and I think a lot of people believe from MRI and even sonogram studies where people actually who, who are vaginally orgasmic have been evaluated with sonogram placing their fingers of where that is in the vagina. That is their, their G-spot. And it, it actually um, correlates on the undersurface of the clitoris, because I say this is the, the, the glands, on the back of it, between the body and the crura, I believe that's where people are actually sort of stimulating. And so, you know, we haven't had a lot of studies um, being able to map this out and find, you know, that holy grail. But I do believe that some women, that is highly innervated, 
and you know it's a pleasure center. So most orgasms, as Dr. Kingsburg said, are achieved through clitoral stimulation at the glands level, but some people get a lot of pleasure with you know having that other C spot <laughs> stimulated on the underside, you know, the G spot and the C spot. And there are devices that are designed for that. You know, they're literally designed like little C's um, to stimulate both spots. Some, um, you know, I mean, lots of devices have little tentacle portions with it, but it's yeah. just important to know what feels good to you <laughs> and that it can exist. And, you know. Pure Romance certainly has those products that that stimulates in that area. I like the way Dr. Vaccaro calls it the clitoral complex because I certainly would like to live there um, because I think it, it's, it, it, because it is. I mean, it's like a city in itself. It's just not the top. It's, it, it, there's so many nerve endings. And I think if you're not enjoying every single one of those nerve endings and exploring, you're doing your body a disservice. Am I right? You should explore. Give yourself permission to do it. Find out what it is that you like. You know, yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you. Do you, do you mind if I um, just say a few comments? Because there's so, I've, I've been really enjoying listening to everyone talk. Um, it's been, <laughs> this has been already a wonderful conversation, but I wanted to just hit a couple more points that um, Sherelle already made. But um, our, one of our podcasts was called the C-Spot. And if you really want to delve into clitoral anatomy even more, because I think the more empowering we can um, educate women about their anatomy, that's, it's, it's so big. It's, it's beyond big. It's huge. So that really gets into the nitty gritty of the anatomy and, um, you know, the differences between what people call it. I um, like to call it the C-Spot just to give more credit to the clitoris, which is likely, you know, all the sensation for a woman but it's certainly okay to call it the G-spot because it's still in the same area. Um, but, you know, taking a little bit of extra time to delve into this topic specifically on that podcast, I think would be really important. And then other things that I just want to touch on that Cheryl already mentioned was just empowering women to look often in my, in my clinic um, when patients come with either primary or secondary anorgasmia, having them take a mirror, we take the time, we look at the anatomy together just so they know where the parts are, because sometimes they've never looked. So we do that, we give them that safe space to, to tell them to explore this area. we make sure that they understand that they have permission to explore the area. Um, but, but a lot of times they don't understand that they need to do this on their own. I think a lot of women think they need to have their partner explore with them. And in this situation, it's really important for them to know that having a safe space on their own with no distractions, um, and a lot of times using a toy to get the extra stimulation they need. And that may be on the glands, that may be internal on the C or G spot, whichever you prefer to call it. Um, and it may be a combination of the two. So making sure they know they need to explore, figure it out so that then they can talk to their partner and tell their partner what does feel good. Um, so those are just a few things that- And we should do a section, a segment just on masturbation for yes, women. I, you I know, to Dr. I point when we you know when we treat uh, primary anorgasmia we often will teach women they really need to learn to self-stimulate and reach orgasm on their own without a partner present because you have the 
you know, performance anxiety, the distraction, the, the embarrassment, they, we got to keep that separate. And we have data on the best treatments for learning to masturbate and directed masturbation really is a cognitive behavioral approach that does include learning your anatomy and then learning toys and where to touch and then a gradual exposure to becoming able to, to reach orgasm because so many women who are not orgasmic just don't have the education and the permission. I wish everybody saw Dr. Vaccaro and Dr. Iglesias and Dr. Pitchman because they're the ones that allow, you know, if a clinician would only give permission for women to explore and figure out how their bodies work, we would have many, many fewer women with orgasmic dysfunction. And if we could empower them to use toys and vibrators to learn, they then incorporate that with their partners, but first they have to do it on their own. I, I agree. And you know what? I'm sure that so many people out there listening today, you know, and our partners who are listening, they speak to women on a daily basis. And there are so many women who have not given themselves permission. And you guys look like the dream team. They're, they're saying to themselves, you know, my doctor never talks to me about this. And so therefore, I think that if your doctor is not opening up and talking to you and and helping educate and giving you permission to explore, then you need to find another doctor. Fire him. Yeah. Um, I, I think I have one more question um, because I know a lot of our partners ask about this. They're being asked, and I just would like for you to maybe talk to us about this. Um, does the O-shot help with orgasms? What is that? So the O-shot, some people call it the G-shot. Um, that is an injection that is usually cash-based that can be put in with your own um, some cells, platelet-rich proteins, PRP, injections into the anterior vaginal wall. And some people are using hyaluronic acid and other fillers, but there is, I want to just say, Patty, no data on the efficacy. There are some proprietary, in fact, the word O-shot is a proprietary um, thing um, for, for uh, the doctor who kind of sort of like invented it, but we don't have sham controlled studies for it. And I would shy away from it. Honestly, I've seen people inject some things and then these people get little, not abscesses, but little not pleasurable bumps along their anterior vaginal wall. And we have to go in and remove that stuff. So buyer beware on that. We need some data. Obviously, platelet-rich plasma, it's also called PRP, has been used in the orthopedic literature for inflammation. Now, whether or not that's going to be helpful for orgasmic dysfunction or for stress incontinence and the stuff that, you know, the accidental bladder leakage, we don't know. We need some study. Um, we need more data than that. Thank you for asking about it. All yeah. right. Patty, can I chime in too on that? Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, patients are coming in requesting this. I, I, I not uncommonly have them request this. And then I think you have to kind of peel back the layers a little bit to, to wonder why they're asking. Is it because of a libido issue? Is it because of an orgasm issue? Is it you know, what is the issue that they're coming in? Is it to enhance um, their pleasure or is it because they've lost some function? So 
just trying to get to the root of why they're asking the question, did their friend have it and what, you know, whatever it was to kind of understand what, where they're coming from. But I think to um, Sherelle's point, we have no data on this. Um, and unfortunately, if there's even, you know, a case series or a small study, there's so much of a placebo effect. So really, we just don't have any good quality data yet to share with women about this. And I would say just remember the anatomy and where the shot is going. So, you know, a lot of the stimulation for most women is external, meaning with their hands or a toy externally, meaning the, the glands and the body, what they can touch externally. And this shot's going inside the vagina, um, which there still are some internal clitoral components. But again, most women derive the most pleasure stimulating externally. So just making sure that they understand um, where they're going to get the most bang for their buck and it might not be spending their money on an O-shot. At least we don't have data to, to show that yet. But for some women who feel like there is less friction because they do have that pelvic organ prolapse <laughs> and that's where they go in and try to buy all this vaginal rejuvenation stuff, do see a fellowship trained, board certified female pelvic medicine reconstruction specialist because we have really good data on surgeries that can be used for, you know, appropriate tightening with definite improvement in sexual function, including orgasmic, uh, including orgasmic function. So I feel like that needs to be resonated loud and clear rather than going to what we see, you know, advertised. And Patty, I just wanted to jump in before I have to jump off the uh, call. Um, as a tertiary referral, I have seen so many complications from this O-shot. And again, um, you know, follow the science and follow the data. And really, I can't stress enough about building a proper team, uh, which includes a multimodal team, not only clinicians, but urogynecologists, um, you know, therapists, psychologists, um, you know, I, I just caution people to jump on the bandwagon. And it, it, it is concerning to me because I think it's a symptom of a bigger issue, right? And it's a symptom that people are desperate. Women are desperate for solutions. And I'm very concerned that there are charlatans playing on that desperation. And women want to want, they want to be orgasmic. They want to enjoy their body and we need to give them the appropriate education. And, you know, I said it before, I'll say it again. We are not holding the cure to uh, orgasmic response in Beverly Hills in a posh, you know, place that is gonna charge you a few thousand dollars to improve your orgasm. Science shares breakthroughs, science shares knowledge, science shares research. So follow the data. And again, you know, you, this is your sexuality and your expression of sexual function. And again, you know, I, I also want to put a caveat and say something, you know, a saying someone always told me is, you know, um, pioneers get slaughtered and settlers get land. So what that really means is we have to be avant-garde in our research. We have to push limits. We have to explore new frontiers in medical research. And we're way behind in women. And I want to, again, you know, voice my thanks to you and your foundation, because with your support and the support of the consultants, we are propelling 
that research to a new frontier. But again, we have to explore cautiously and not at the expense of women and their anatomy or their response or their psychological health. So again, good research, follow the data, and really get appropriate information. As you know, Cheryl always reiterates, get good information from your clinicians, from your team, and follow that. Because uh, I think it's really important. There are things that we can do, but we don't want to do any harm as well. Michael, uh, to that point, we have ignored one important component to our biopsychosocial model, and that is pelvic floor physical therapy. Yes. And so can we uh, bring Kathleen in for a moment to remind everybody that that also is part of this whole team approach? Because I have to say pelvic floor physical therapy has helped so many women in a non, in, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, a non-invasive way uh, that many women don't know about. Um, yes, thank you, Cheryl. Um, we will talk a little bit later about um, pelvic health and pelvic exercise, but um, just like Sherelle had said, it's all about blood flow. Well, um, how important it is, uh, we, it's no longer pelvic floor. We're talking about pelvic health. Um, so we're talking about the full function of the pelvis. Um, we need good blood flow. We need that ability for that muscle to not only contract, but also to relax too. Um, so you're absolutely right. And we are part of the multidisciplinary team, you know, um, go see your physician first, check out, make sure that there's any medical problems, but we work with, um, your physician to, uh, maximize it. And we're all about the education. You know, if you, if that is one of your goals is to, um, achieve orgasm, we are, are going to be spending a lot of time educating, showing you the anatomy, um, giving you um, different tools to become aware of um, your, the parts of your body and how they function and how to maximize the response. So thank you very much for <laughs> bringing that up. Thank you.